right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I will be fired up today because we're talking suspensions, man. We're talking all these things that make old cars cool again. Because I'll tell you, man, nothing... Nothing wakes a car up like putting new suspension components, parts, and pieces under it. Man, when I mean wake up, I mean drive like they were meant to be driven. Those cars from eras long gone have great lines, awesome personality. They're works of art, but let's be honest, they handle like like barn doors, like <laughs> like bricks. They're awful. So if you can uh, tighten that game up substantially, then, man, you got something that's just wicked, just an absolute cool combination. Yeah, you know what? Even with the old stuff, the new stuff is great. It's so much better, miles better, but there's always room to make it even uh, higher performance. Uh, So we've got KW Suspension guys on. These guys are one of the leaders around the world and, and dampers and shocks, right? Coilovers of all types to make, no matter what you're driving, top of the game. And, uh, you know, I hit up Frank, he's their brand manager. And, uh, I said, man, what if we got a little techie? What if we got a little in depth today? You know, little down in the, down in the deep, the weeds and the, the mechanisms and how it works. Uh, cause you know, we all have, you know, shocks with, well, some of us with maybe one knob, maybe two knobs, maybe mm-hmm. three knobs, all the adjustability, right? Compression, rebound, maybe high speed, but what do we do with those knobs, right? How does it work? What's going on inside that shock, right? So you can either deliver one that's non-adjustable and man, out of the box, they're usually pretty great. And then for us, you know, real performance guys, racers, man, you start getting all kinds of buttons and knobs and, and ways that you can get yourself in trouble or, you know, hit the winner's circle. So we got some, we got the crew here today to really guide us and give us some skinny. Yeah, no joke, bro. You said crew. They, they brought lab coats. They brought assistants. There's somebody taking notes. Like, there's going to be minutes after this meeting's done. This is legit. I'm excited about having these guys on. I hope we all learn something. So uh, excited to have you guys on. Frank, Chris, Joseph, thanks for joining us today, man. We're excited to have you guys on. Tell us all cool things uh, at KW Suspensions, man. How's life in your world? It's got to be crazy right now. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, everyone's running a million miles an hour. We've always got these guys, uh, you know, 
working on all the different motorsport stuff that's coming in and uh you know joe's handling all the new development stuff that we're working on and it, that list doesn't get any shorter unfortunately so um i had to you know uh coax these guys into coming in here and sharing some knowledge <laughs> with these guys because i, I don't want to get techie and I, I want you guys to learn you know the questions you're asking for and Chris and Joe were the guys to, to make that happen for sure. Yeah, this is awesome. So we've got Joseph. He's from R&D, man. So he's in all the, you know, behind the scenes, digging down deep to engineering, making it happen. And we got Chris from Motorsports, man. So this is all about, right, what we talked about, all the tuning, the dialing it in. And, uh, man, you, you would not believe the difference in the right spring and damper combination, right? And the technology that's going in these dampers, these guys can fill us in is through the roof, right? I mean, we have, obviously, you know, you, you can kind of dial into some of these new uh, vehicles, these high-end vehicles that have- The MagnaRide um, systems and yeah, computer-controlled yeah, systems. computer-controlled. So that's a whole nother dimension, but let's start with some of the basics, right? What's going on in the shock? And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna drop something before we go to break, right? Cause you know, I'm an engineer, but I didn't learn about, you know, too much about shocks, but I know enough to get myself in trouble. And uh, you know, the thing about a damper, it's trying to, slow down a spring and with a mass in motion and what gets me a little confused and you guys can dial us in after the break here you got the mass of the suspension so that's one thing you're trying to damp but then you got the mass of the body and it's a completely different mass right and then you got all kinds of dynamics that are happening so how the heck do you figure out what to deliver in a shock and then once we get one what can we do with it so this is going to be fun guys it's like trying to control one of them old school Sears water beds, man. Remember those things? You'd hit them things and wave out. <laughs> you get seasick trying to get off of them. That's right. You bump your girlfriend right off the other end if you're not careful. <laughs> All right, man. So here's the deal. If look, if damping socks, coil suspensions, if that was a ham, this is a 20 ounce ham and in like a five ounce can, y'all. Grab some pen, grab some knowledge. It's head your way next. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. Kevin Bird, Willie B, and we're back after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We have KW Suspensions on our podcast today. This is exciting stuff, man, because honestly, when you're looking at suspensions, so much has changed over, you know, take your favorite era car, whatever that may be. It could be something, you know, modern muscle style. It could be something, you know, classic from the 80s, the 70s, the muscle car era, the 60s, even some of the old Tri-5s, whatever that may be, rat rod style. Man, when you get a great suspension under that ride, it becomes so much fun to drive it. Kevin and I have debated our list of what's like the 
the most important things. And I really think suspensions up there arguing and debating for that number one spot right behind or tied with transmissions. So, you know, having more than the old school three speed, having like a five or six speed. But really, man, night and day changes when your car morphs into, you know, what it was, sloppy, mushy around turns, you know, massive ratios and gearboxes. And all of a sudden, all those pivot points get really tightened up with modern pieces, components, and even eliminating some of that old stuff, going to more modern style rack and pinions and, and uh, pivot points. God, you could really turn yeah, a car like I said around. Earlier, you handles. know, you can take uh, a newer car that's really got good suspension. Uh, it's got all the right bits on it. It's got the rack and pinion, uh, and, it, and it does great. But you can put on a nice set of springs and shocks and take that same vehicle and drop a couple seconds off a of lap time. You know, so what is happening at that tire uh, is incredible. And it's all about controlling that, that contact patch, right? That is everything you have, that grip, whether you're cornering, braking, trying to accelerate. Uh, it's all about maintaining that contact patch. And so if you get any kind of separation, um, you know, and you don't have the control to keep that thing planted, right, you're losing time. And that's what that damper and that shock are trying to do is keep that contact patch the whole way around that track for as much as possible. Now, guys, thanks for joining us, man. This is, this is going to be fun. Um, you know, I think we can get into all kinds of things like monotube and twin tubes. Uh, but I think really what's cool is that, that control part. Uh, and, you know, as I mentioned before the break, you know, if you go from engineering side of things, right, if you just have a spring with a mass kind of, you know, bouncing back and forth, you need to damp it out because otherwise it'll just keep bouncing forever, you know, except for maybe some internal friction. So you want to, you want to dampen it just the right rate so that, you know, you get, you know, one cycle and you come back down and, and kind of stop, right? You're not bouncing down the road. And again, you got a mass of the vehicle that could be bouncing and you got a mass of the tire that could be bouncing. So you guys have a lot on your hands. Could you kind of walk us through, like, how do you parse that up? Then you have things like body roll, right? So, you know, you take a turn and you got body roll and some of it's kind of quick and instant, you know, if you're taking a quick uh, turn in. Uh, and some of it could just, you know, be slow as you're going around a big sweeper or changing radius. Uh, how do you guys manage all those different, basically, controls? Joe, you want to yeah, start well. us off here? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot to take in, uh, or, a lot, or a big question. It's a big open-ended um, question, right? Maybe we break it down a little bit, right? So, so inside, inside that shock, we've got a piston, and uh, it's pushing on a fluid. And without any holes, tiny little holes, let's say around that piston, you're going to hydrolock, right? You're not going to move. So we drill a whole bunch of holes in that piston so you can push and squeeze and, and fluids going through those holes. And the thicker the fluid, the more resistance, the thinner the fluid, the less resistance. Uh, and then you guys can put a whole series of pistons with different holes. And then think about, you know, a piston with a bunch of little holes around the outside. You could put a real thin round uh, you know, shim or they call it a valve, but just a little plate. And as the fluid's trying to flow one way, it can bend that little circle, right? It could just bend it up and let fluid flow. And then the other way it can close the valve. And so you guys can play a lot of tricks with number of pistons and stacks and shims and valve sizes. Yeah. Um, but with all that, then what, what do you, how do you break down? Like you've got shock curves. So maybe start talking a little bit about a shock curve. What makes a good curve and what do you go for? Yeah. So, I mean, shock curves or damping profiles are really just going to depend on the application. So you got things like motion ratio, which is the relationship on how much the damper is going to move in relation to how much the wheel actually moves. 
Um, you obviously have wheelbases and ride frequencies and, and tires, uh, what type of tire compounds, what the use is going to be, um, because, you know, you don't want a really high ride frequency and stiff sprung and damped setup for something you're going to drive on the street that's going to rattle your teeth out. You know, that's going to give you optimal performance on the track with, with racing slicks or something like that. But when you go on the street, that's going to be horrible. So, um, you know, it really just depends on the application, um, on what we're trying to, to do with the damping profiles. I think there's a lot of, uh, like fundamentals like Chris talked about to start with first, you know, you want to get your spring rate in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. You want to get your damping to, a. a a pretty good, you know, base. And then you take things like the sway bars and all that stuff into account as well. And it's important to remember that all that stuff has to work together as a complete package. So Frank, Chris, how do you, so as you're talking about that, how do you make sure you get everything that works together? How do you make sure your, your spring rate and your, your sway bar rate and everything is kind of cohesive together? Cause I see a lot of people maybe piecing it together, budgetarily wise or, or just as they are able to replace, you know, a part or two, uh, how do you know you got the right things working together? Is there a, a way to, to sort of make sure that trajectory remains in these in these guides of, of where things were functioning, you know, together? Yeah, I mean, you could definitely start with something like uh, your ride frequency, you know. Um, there's plenty of calculators online that you can probably find this stuff, and it takes into account uh, wheelbase and spring rates and, you know, the unsprung mass and the sprung mass. So the unsprung mass being wheels, tires, brakes, nothing that's actually suspended by the suspension. And then your sprung mass, which is gonna be like the body and everything that the suspension actually supports. Um, So, you know, you kind of start to look for like maybe a target ride frequency. Yeah, explain that a little bit. So let's just say we pick a vehicle, right? So it just, it's constant. We've got a C6 Corvette, right? Pretty well-known type of application. So ride frequency, explain what that means to the general public. It, it, it's essentially, right, how stiff your spring is going to be, right? Well, duh, Burtis, every time you get in your car and drive it, you know, at least three times a day, four times <laughs> if I'm lucky. How many times you taking a ride? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I use it both coming yeah. and going. <laughs> so if you, if you had a, a C6 vet, right, how would you explain uh, ride frequency? Well, I mean, there's there's everything's going to be a little bit different on um, on each yeah, application, and not just talking about vehicle application, but application relative to, again, street, track, drag racing, what tires you're running, because um, tires themselves have a resonant frequency, and they have, you know, um, yeah, kind of a happy spot for them as well. So, you know, but a general rule of thumb is you you kind of talked, you kind of hit it on the head. It's um, the stiffer or the higher the right frequency, the stiffer spring rate and and all that's going to be so generally speaking you're going to have maybe a ride frequency of one to two hertz on like a street driven car or like a a wee car and then you're going to get into maybe two and a half three hertz maybe three and three and a half something like that that might even be kind of high for a sports car and then you get into you know like a formula style car there may be somewhere around five hertz and that's basically an oscillation. So how many times is the suspension oscillating per second? One hertz obviously means one time a second. So if it's five hertz, then it's gonna vibrate, if you will, five times a second. 
And that basically just is, again, the frequency at which the suspension is moving. And generally, that's uh, higher with a higher spring rate. So, Willie, that kind of helps to frame your question, right? To start with, you probably want to dial in your spring rate. And that's going to really dictate the characteristics of the car, right? Is it super stiff, right? Is it going to be kind of tight in the corners, right? Is it going to be really harsh on, you know, street driving uh, versus track driving? So I think getting your spring weight sort of set from the very beginning then creates sort of your, your roadmap. And now you need to start kind of dialing in your bars and your dampers to go with it. Now, a damper needs to go along with the spring rate because you'll see a lot of guys that, uh, you know, might have a little rice uh ricer that's they've cut the springs and so it's essentially uh increased the spring rate uh and they have the same shocks and so all of a sudden they have a higher spring weight because they've cut a couple of coils off and now they're kind of <laughs> bouncing right they don't have enough damping to control that you know big spring or bigger spring rate uh so right once you set that that right frequency or spring rate aggressive or soft now you got to get a damper in that range um so where, where would you guys go from there? I mean, um, you know, back to the C6. So let's say we pick a, a pretty aggressive, you know, track day street car. Um, Can we just put a, a public service announcement out there? If you that guy that's cutting your springs, just stop, cuz. Just stop. Friends, don't let friends cut the springs. Seriously, <laughs> stop. All right, continue. My bad. My bad. I just had to throw that out there. If we're going to make public service announcements, then... We should also add, don't cut your bump stops. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Very good point. And cutting them doesn't give you more travel. You'll, you'll, the vehicle's heavy enough to compress it. Cutting it doesn't help the situation. We got to at least an inch and a half more travel, bro. Wait. <laughs> all, all, you know, you always want to worry about travel, of course. But if your wheel and tire is already hitting your fender, you're, you don't have no more to no more to add. Yeah. So you, you can stop right Slow there. Slow down. Uh, with that, that that's my public service. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Appreciate Keep us that. out of trouble, man. It's always good. It's always good. So let's say we've picked our wheel frequency, right? So we've got our, we've got our vehicle. We've got a real frequency. We, it's, it's specced into whatever we're going to do, let's say, performance driving on a track and street. Uh, then, then how do you dial in the shock? And then are there multiple segments of a shock curve to do different things? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because you definitely have the compression side. You've got the rebound side. And then... You know, if there's a high speed side in there as well. So are those different uh, pistons and shim stacks or different directions? I guess the fluid is flowing for compression and rebound. Yeah, just to kind of unpack because um, there's kind of multiple questions there. Um, That's bird for you. So That's the engineer in a man. You just got to pardon him. Well, I'll keep it simple. Start with the easy shock. The one's got one knob with three settings. Click, click, click. What are those? What do those do? And then you got to go to another shock. It's got two knobs, three settings a piece. What about those? And then on up to the three knobs and multiple settings, where do you dive in at? So can you walk us through what those do and how they, how they generate a, a, th their purpose? What's going on? Are the different valving, different um, oiling going on in that? Or what's that, um, that knob actually doing? Uh, we, we can speak on our behalf and what our single knob does. Our, our single knob controls rebound, and it controls low-speed rebound. So that's how quickly the vehicle, the shock itself expands. Um, and that's what our single knob does. Uh, for others, it might do compression only, or it might do uh, a combination of both. But our our single knob does slow speed rebound uh, by itself. That's all it does. Our dual knob, that does low speed compression and low speed rebound. 
low speed compression is going to be your smooth road type driving. Uh, low speed does not correlate to the speed of the vehicle. You know, that comes up a lot. It's the speed in which the wheel is traveling. So if you hit a pothole, that's high speed stuff. If you go over a dip and, um, and you're actually, now this, is, this does correlate. If you're going at a high speed, you're moving the mass of the vehicle over this dip. So it might seem smooth and slow, but you're still gonna get into the, the high speed circuit of the valve. So with compression itself though, our, our single our two, two knob does low speed compression in the end. That's all your, your steering response, your, your turning, um, I would say, uh, yeah, steering, feedback, steering yeah. feedback. Or, yeah. Drive back, or yeah. How, how quickly that, drive. how quickly you start to feel the road. That's all your low speed compression. The higher the low speed compression, the more you're going to feel the road. The higher low speed compression is you're going to feel the road. You, you might have a, there's obviously dictates of spring rates and tire, but you're going to increase your steering response. Um, but yes, there's, there's limits to that though, because that starts, when that starts to get too high, you'll start to lose grip and the, the tire, the mechanical grip of it just stops working. And so you never want to, more is not always better. You have to find that and then try it in different conditions, wet, dry, and then Chris brought it up earlier, how are you using the vehicle? Because if you have hires, if your turning response is quicker, but everybody who gets in your car hates it, then probably pointless to be driving around with that much compression all the time. Um, onto the three knobs though, the third knob for us is your high speed compression. So that goes back to what I mentioned earlier. Those are your potholes, your dips. If you're on the track, that's your curbs. Um, yeah, yeah, basically it's, uh, again, I'm talking from a motorsports perspective, so everything in my head, I'm thinking racetrack, and he's thinking, you know, um, street-driven street yeah. uh, characteristics. But, um, yeah, high-speed compression is going to be basically curb strikes, fast transitions, so basically quick steering inputs. Um, so in, like, a street-driven condition, that would be something like swerving to miss a piece of sure. debris in the road or something like that. Um, again, my own public service announcement is <laughs> when we're talking about shock speeds, we're not talking about the, the speed of the vehicle, the actual ground speed or mile per hour. We're talking about how fast the shock is being either collapsed or extended. Yeah. And uh, if you ever get a hold of a shock in your hand, now, a lot of them are gas charged. So they're, they're going to have some force just come the gas, but you know, try to move a shock slow and it's pretty easy minus the gas force. Uh, try to move a shock faster and it gets harder. So it's that, you know, response of the wheel that I kind of talk about with uh, speed, right? So the speed is changing and I assume it's working different parts of the shock. Uh, so will it take us out? Let's have a break. When we come back, maybe get a little insight on, okay, we know what the knobs do, but when would we want to adjust them in what direction? Yeah, man. All right, I just learned how my wife and the shock are pretty similar. When she has a couple of drinks, uh, she's like that fast compression. Yeah, gets much stiffer. So uh, understanding all the way across the board, guys. Thanks for the knowledge. We're back in just a minute. He's Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Fired up, man. we got some great friends. 
KW suspension components. You got to check them out online. Where do they go online, um, uh, Chris? Maybe you could help us point us in the right direction. Uh, if somebody's looking for all the motorsport stuff, or Frank, jump in. Wh- what do you guys find it socially and uh, online? We can drive people to as we kind of get into some ins and outs and techie stuff in this last segment. Um, yes, I mean we can kind of pick back up on that uh, how you adjust your dampers, and I think we kind of touched on what knob does what at this point, but maybe we can dive into why you would want to adjust each of those things. Absolutely. But real fast, if people wanted to follow along online, see some of your products while we're discussing this, where do they, where do they go find your products at? Uh, they can catch it at KW Automotive or KWSuspensions.com. KW underscore suspension on Instagram. And then the YouTube is KW Automotive. It encompasses all awesome. the whole family of brands. That we'll give you all a follow right now. So, um, yeah, man, talk about when we use that stuff and how we use it. Because a lot of people are, you know, it throws them off a little bit when they're, when they're thinking about setting up suspensions. A lot of people, I think, tend to overthink it. But what are some of the first steps you guys would would put out there as, as just good rules of thumb? Yeah, so, you know, if you're kind of trying to figure out maybe where the best um, damper settings would be, you know, kind of a general rule of thumb for some people is to start with the dampers at, at full soft. And then that way you can actually start to isolate how your spring rates and the car's pitching and heaving and rolling um, just off of the spring rates mostly and not so much with the influence of the dampers. So then you can kind of pick up, um, okay, well, my spring rates are too soft too on their own. From there, you can kind of get into um, your sway bars. Uh, adjustments because the sway bars are only active when you're turning obviously so again we're kind of breaking this down from from a pitching and heaving behavior so pitching meaning that the front is diving and the back is lifting or vice versa the front is lifting and the back is squatting and then you have heave which is the vehicle moving up in a symmetrical fashion up and down and then roll which is going to be left to right movements okay i mean that's that's some good advice right out of the gate um you know you get your springs and get your sway bars with let's say less influenced by the shock by putting everything into soft so you're kind of feeling out that and seeing if your platform per se is kind of where you want it to be all right so this is good all right so now you've let's say you've you've adjusted your bars a little bit you got your car uh essentially getting more neutral and you like the kind of spring rate but yeah, now you need to get a little bit more control. So, all right, where do we go from here? Yeah, so from there, um, my recommendation would be to start with, with compression. So you would start dialing in your, your low-speed compression to start and, and to kind of see basically, and you can figure this out just by driving down the road and just kind of getting an idea on how harsh the ride gets um to see basically again we're kind of going back to that ride frequency that we spoke about in the earlier segments and you can kind of once the the ride starts to get a bit harsh you can kind of get a feel for for where your limits are on uh the system as a whole that's your tire your spring rates the vehicle weight all that stuff from there um you would move over to your rebound and that's kind of going to help finalize those little bit of oscillations that you're getting because the rebounds job is is really to to control the expansion of the spring because the spring when it's compressed is storing energy and then once it wants to expand out it has all this energy it's trying to get rid of 
Um, and the damper's job or the rebound phase of the damper at that point is to control that energy and then convert it to heat. Um, so that's how I would probably recommend starting. And that's on like a single or a double adjustable damper. Well, let me pause you right there for a second. So if we're under rebound, where, let's say on a track, you know, um, would you notice changes to rebound most? Like diving into corners, coming out of corners, uh, whoops within the straightaways. Like where would you kind of feel changes to rebound? Off of bumps and coping and curbs and, and things like that? Yeah. I mean, so one way to tell that you have too much rebound is there's a, there's a condition called patterning, which essentially is when you go over some successive bumps and the suspension doesn't have enough time to expand back out. And that's when you have too much rebound. It's just clamping everything down, basically. And when that happens, the spring is also compressing. So the load or the force that the spring is producing is higher and higher and higher. And so what you'll end up doing is degrading grip, degrading ride quality, and, and so things like that. So what you would do is you would actually start to reduce rebound and that situation would go away or that condition would go away. You know, if you get into, um, you know, we were kind of talking during the break there on, on drag racing and how you guys deal a lot with weight transfer and stuff like that. It's the same situation in, in road racing as well. If you're coming off of the, off of the corner and you're starting to apply power and it's a real wheel drive car, um, and the back wants to get skatey as you're applying power, you could reduce front rebound to help promote a little bit of weight transfer and get some grip there. Same thing entering a corner. If you uh, have too much pitch or brake dive, essentially, and the back of the car is getting squirrely, you could then increase rear rebound to keep the back of the car steady. Talking about compression with those same scenarios, if you have a bunch of brake dive, you could add front compression, again, to help that, that front nose dive. And if you're exiting in a corner with some, you know, uh, trouble putting power down, you could maybe reduce uh, compression and see if that helps. Damn, man. You ever thought about a side hustle where you just get in people's car, drive it for a minute, tell them what's wrong with it? Like, here's just been just jacked up. Here's what you need to do. <laughs> Make three adjustments on rebound, add a little compression here, change the sway bar setting, have a nice day. That's 250 or 500 out the door. Roll yeah. on base six. <laughs> yeah. And, and you ever spend much time in Detroit? Because those two together would be great, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, Chris Chris kind of alluded to there's there's multiple ways to skin a cat, you yeah. know, and, and shocks with multiple adjustments give you just that, you know, when you have low speed compression and low speed rebound, you're kind of playing, you're using them to balance that behavior, right? And I think rebound is one of those things that um, is sort of, it, it's important for people to play with it, to understand the difference that it, it allows you to feel in the car. To me, in, in my personal experience, it seems like the more you start adding rebound, the more um, the body or chassis of the car feels more connected to the road, right? That's that's what I sort of use it for in in when I'm playing with the shocks on my car or, or whatever, uh, and then I'll use the compression to 
help with that uh, that sort of platform or stability, and then use it to um, dial in the behavior over bumps or curves or things like that. You know, but both of them are. Uh, it's important to not have too much, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's the biggest thing. Like one of the uh, sort of um, I guess shortcuts that I would offer to people is loosen things up first and get the the suspension moving and then start analyzing the behavior that it's exhibiting and then thinking about compression or rebound and which one is going to help your help your situation uh, or help you alleviate whatever you know problem you're, you're trying to dial out but not net a terrible effect everywhere else on the track right yeah <laughs> well you guys broke it down pretty nicely right i mean like you said if you're coming into a turn pretty hot you can nose dive and the back can come up and like you said you can either keep the nose from diving or you can keep the back from coming up and you have control on both ends whether it's compression or the rebound uh so so that's kind of cool and I, and I like the way you guys broke it down into you know starting softer so you're really feeling the basics of the car uh and at the end of the day right you can you can put too much in because what you're trying to do is keep your wheel in motion, right? You want that wheel to go through its travel. And if you put too much damping in, it's just too slow to get back to where it should be through its travel range. So that's when you know you start picking up some harsh, harshness, I assume, and, and probably chatter over certain types of bumps instead of rolling over them and keeping that contact patch. Yeah. Or just rent out Chris for you? a weekend. Just rent out Chris for a weekend and let him make all the changes. Yeah. Like, boom, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I need. And then you go to a different track and you got to get him back out there again. Right? That's how it gets you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's it's right. a subscription that's service, Chris. It's a subscription service. Yeah. All the cool kids are going to it. Yeah. Hey, wait, real fast before we run out of time, you guys probably see this a lot. What are some of the common mistakes that people are making when it comes to their suspensions, whether it's, you know, on the track, road course, time attack, what are some of the things that you all see that people commonly mess up? Um, for me, it's probably making too many changes at once. Absolutely. If you don't. You can't don't, keep record of what made a difference. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, you know, I kind of recommended that, you know, you start with the dampers soft and you can help isolate things a bit. Um but they either make too many changes at once and don't know what was actually effective, what helped, or maybe they made a change that really helped, but they, you know, did something else that took away some of the some some of the stuff that was picked up. So why that's why a logbook, especially on data like that, is always critical, crucial. You always gotta just know your settings because one day you may walk out of something and realize, hey man, it's a perfect scenario setup for that one setting I had. And if you can't recall it, especially from memory. If you don't have a log of it, you're kind of screwed. So keep a setting, you know, logbook and, and what worked, what didn't, how the car reacted and what the conditions were and temps were that day and what your tires were, you know, tread wear and, and air pressure. And, man, you'll, you'll get a lot of data that you could really use and becomes really critical um, when you're out there hanging it out, man. Yeah, to add to that too, Willie, I think it's important that people make changes to okay. begin with, you know. Everyone, sure. everyone gets their shocks out of the box and it, it may be – 85, you know, 90% there, but you may be leaving something on the table by not trying a little more or a little less, you know? So that's, it's important for people to uh, get rid of the fear of making those adjustments and just do it. You'll learn a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I think, uh, cause yeah, you're afraid to make it worse. 
and then where do I get back to? And, and if you take some good records, like Willie was saying, right, yeah. just say, hey, this is where I'm at. I'm at level two, four, and six on my knobs. And then pff, go play with it. You know, you can at least go back to two, four, and six yeah. and be back where you were. Right. You know, not tangled up in a wad and going, man, how do I get out of this mess? All right. Yeah. <laughs> Clean up aisle six. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, no doubt. Uh, so secondly, okay, so obviously changing more things, you know, than, than really what's able to detect a difference in. What are, what's another mistake people might be making out there that you commonly see? Um. The next one would probably be too high on spring rates would probably be a pretty big one. I think, um, I think in general, spring rates, uh, just not being able to pick the correct ones out the gate or at least getting close. Um, I think a lot of people look at their vehicle weight and that's how they pick their spring rate. And your vehicle rate's obviously important, but nobody's figuring out the motion rate. They're not figuring out that wheel rate. You know, if depending on where the spring's located, if it's very inboard on the front of your vehicle and you have a double A-arm style suspension and your vehicle is extremely lightweight, the spring's not seeing that. It's being multiplied by the lever arm, which is the control arm. And your vehicle could be a thousand pounds or 2000 pounds, but what the spring's seen in that corner could be upwards of 2,500 pounds, depending on where it's at. And a lot of people aren't taking that motion ratio into account. They're saying, my buddy has this car, and we're both 2,800 pounds. That's the spring rate I should use. But we have two different applications, two different chassis. And when you change the angle of your shock absorber with some coilover conversions, they change the angle of the shock absorber. So with your previous setup, you were running an 850-pound spring. But now that you've changed the angle of the shock, you don't realize it, but you've changed the wheel rate. So you try to put an 850 pound spring back on there and you say, this doesn't ride the same, it's softer. I thought I was making an improvement or the ride quality changes. And you have to keep that in mind. So the spring rate is your, your base, if you, your foundation. If you, if you don't get that in, everything else is just a bandaid. So spring rate is very important. Yeah, no, I think that's a huge tip. And as we talked before, I mean, that sets the foundation of kind of how your vehicle is gonna behave. You're, you're sort of adding, bars and dampers relative to that spring rate. And um, yeah, as you mentioned, right, if you didn't quite pick up, if your spring was right center of your tire, right, standing straight up, that's a, your wheel rate. But your your spring isn't there. It's It's got an angle to it, maybe. It's got a position relative to that tire. And so that little bit of geometry, it's pretty simple. Uh, but that little bit of geometry can mean a lot on doubling your spring rate or, or other. Uh, so how does somebody kind of get that right. Can they call you guys up and say, hey, I've got this application, it's either stock or I've modified it, and I want it to be in that you know, street, track, race kind of range for wheel frequency. Can you get them dialed in appropriately? Um, yeah, so I mean, outside of our normal offerings, which you know, obviously a lot of engineering and time is spent on getting each of the off-the-shelf products um, dialed in for the majority of customers, um, you can call us and we can build a completely custom solution for you. So, um, and that all goes through the KW race department and we kind of start from, from scratch with you. Yeah. What kind of, what are you using the car for and weights, motion ratios, dimensions, ride heights, roll centers, you know, all that stuff. And it, we've done stuff from Ferraris to 69 Camaros and everything in between. So C10s recently, yeah. Uh, 
I bet trucks are killing it right now, man. It's crazy to see a surgeon. Those yeah, yeah, I bet you a lot of seat tents, yeah, man. Sure. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, you guys got to check them out online, man. They have a huge, huge selection. And it sounds like they can kind of get in that custom space, too, uh, if you need to go there. But I'm, I'm assuming they probably have most of the world covered. So whatever you need, man. And they got a lineup that's incredible. Uh, from your classic stuff to coilovers to... You know, even into your uh, dynamic damping control. So we'll have to dive into some of those uh, yeah, technologies maybe on the Thanks next show, man. Uh, appreciate you guys being on. And kwsuspensions.com. Is that where you said people can go find you guys? KW Suspensions? Yep, that's it. Yep. All right, man. Sweet. Find them online. Check them out there. Check out all the cool stuff they have available for your ride. Hey, and don't forget about our show, Air Weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. It's also available on Motor Trend Plus, which is a streaming format, a great way to find us. Thanks to our guests, KEW Suspensions, Frank, Chris, and Joseph. Joseph came in with home runs at the end there, man. Nice uh, nice uh, cleanup there, Joseph. We appreciate it. Uh, our producer, Scoop, executive producer, Bob Becker. He's Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B for the Two Guys Garage podcast. Yeah, don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com. Share your thoughts with us. We're on social everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. Now, this Two Guys Garage podcast, it's copyrighted 2023, Brenton Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. Right on. Man. We got some good skinny. I took more notes today than I did in all of my algebra class. <laughs> <laughs> I got me some too. All yes. right. I'm going to look yeah, less like a clown point. next time I'm out on a track day. I'm yeah, there's like a lot to unpack with that stuff, right? So it's hard to pick and choose where we're going to go exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. Hey, right, man, right. I like to throw out the what's the meaning of life? <laughs> kind of questions you know like exactly. explain <laughs> women <laughs> yeah what works with women <laughs> what makes them happy they, they don't like high they, spring they, rates they, they, <laughs> both, they like compliments and they hate them so good luck with that like, yeah they like squishy springs no fun no fun alright gentlemen we appreciate it hope you guys learned something I know Willie and I did so we'll catch you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast Two Guys Garage Podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.